Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Well, being sensible, practical, and joyful requires some kind of thought, and that's why we've gone to this topic, which is liberal arts education. Liberal arts education is not just getting a Bachelor of Arts necessarily, although that was the original intention, I think, for BA. Liberal arts has become almost a specialist field, which is ironic in itself. We'll talk about those reasons as we get into it. But first, uh, I'd introduce my first guest, um, Paul Morrissey. Welcome. Thanks, Peter. It's great to be here. Indeed. Paul, you're the president. Is that the proper El Supremo? That is. That's the correct title. <laughs> president uh, of Canada. I don't have College. a White House. You don't have um, a White House. I do have a First Lady, my Let, wife, but... <laughs> Yeah, president of Canada. Yeah, the word first implies there's more, but let's... (laughs) (laughs) There's only one. Paul Morrissey is from Campion College here in Sydney, uh, which is a liberal arts college, and also from the same college, um, Anna Hitchings. Hello, good to be back. And Anna's an old hand at this podcast, of course, having been on one of our more popular episodes on A Good Man is Hard to Find, I think, wasn't it? I'm just asking the producer now. That was the name of that one? Excellent. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I always forget the ones from back there. Okay, let's dive right in. Liberal arts, what do we mean by liberal arts when we talk about liberal arts? So perhaps I'll throw across to you, Paul. Well, liberal arts has has an incredible tradition, you know, stretching back to ancient Greece, really. Right. Um, And it's really about the formation of a person. And I guess when I speak about the liberal arts, because it's a question I have to answer a lot, I really want to focus on that word liberal. What does that mean? Yeah. And it's connected to... To the word liberty. So it's not got to do with the Liberal Party. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. We have some good friends in the Liberal Party, but uh, it's certainly not connected uh, to the Liberal Party, but certainly connected to the idea of liberty. Right. Properly understood. So we have a you know, contemporary understanding of liberty or freedom that's that's uh, that's impoverished, I would say. It's true, yeah. but it's impoverished. In other words, freedom from yes. restriction and so on. Yeah. In other words, I can do whatever I like. Yeah, exactly. Sort of the 18-year-old idea of freedom. If I get to 18, I can do what I like. Yeah. Um, there's certain truth to that, but the real understanding and what's incorporated in a liberal arts education is that, yeah, we need freedom from restraint. We need the tools, the the, the character development and so on to be free, but then it's for a purpose. Yep. You know, it's for for human flourishing. It's yeah. for the life of the mind. It's to be uh, a good person. Yeah. And, um, you know, Newman, when he was speaking about, you know, liberal education in his great work, Idea of a University, he said that, you know, liberal education is about the development of the philosophical mind. Right. The development of wisdom. Right. And um, I think and that's a that, core It's a practical wisdom too. I mean, it's a one of the words that comes up a lot when you talk about liberal education is a broadness of it. That um, in modern education, we tend to get very narrow degrees. So we become excellent rocket scientists who who have no idea um, why they should be firing a rocket. Or, or you know, That's <laughs> a really good way of putting it, actually. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, well, one of the US, I, I stole that, by the way, from a US president. He said, <laughs> he said we have guided missiles fired by misguided men. Uh, Well, I mean, when I'm talking about the liberal arts to people, one of the examples I use is, you know, if you want to, if you know you want to be a lawyer when you're in high school, you, most people, what they will do is they'll leave high school and then try to, um, you know, try and apply for a law degree and hope at a good university and hopefully get in and and, um, get the law degree. And that's fine. And that makes sense, of course, if you want to be a lawyer. But then what kind of makes you stand out from the hundreds, if not that, or probably thousands, in fact, of other uh, other um, law graduates who are yep. just like you. And you may have the practical 
skills to know how to, you know, to to go about lawyering, but you might not understand, well, how did the law even come about? What What is the history? You know, yes. um, do you know about Magna Carta, for example? And, and, and the historical processes and the philosophical ideas that actually um, that actually brought law into a made law a career basically and and uh, and if you and it, that may seem irrelevant but if you actually it's actually not at all if you actually understand that you have such a richer understanding mm. of what you're doing and why you're doing it which I think and that just that enriches not just you do it better you do it better but it is, I think it just it just enriches every part of your life if yeah. you actually have that greater understanding so that's kind of what it's well, to what be it's honest, about in my mind I'd have to say it makes you a more interesting person. That's um, definitely true too. Because I mean, look, going back to Cardinal Newman's um, uh, idea of a university, he's in an era where universities were designed. Admittedly, they were exclusive to certain class of person, and you would use a very rich person and a very high in society would and a send very male their, person, very male person, yes, <laughs> would send their sons to the university to be polished, to be finished. In other words, to give them all the necessary knowledge and capacity, so that they could. And the interesting things he says, so that they can actually exercise their position in society, which is to vote, uh, to engage in politics, to engage in intelligent discussion, to actually um, be interesting enough to be a friend and a companion, to run your business. And as you say, it's not enough to just be an accountant when you run a business. You need to know what kinds of things um, are involved in, and if you're running. Uh, I'm just trying to think in English manner or something, you need to know lots about lots of things in order for the whole thing to come together. We tend to see these kind of general subjects as being hobbies or interests or something, but we have now, as you say, literally all of the university degrees are so focused on one thing that that's all they've got. Um, and I can't remember, there's a there's another saying of a, a scientist who said, we were so busy thinking about what we can do. That's not a scientist. I'm quoting Jeff Goldblum <laughs> in, in Jurassic Park. <laughs> He's playing a scientist. He's a key authority. He, yeah. In my defense. He's a scientist of the of the acting art. He's, he was certainly quoting a scientist, I'm he, sure. I'm sure. But let's <laughs> pretend that that was very profound. But he says, um, we're so busy thinking about what we can do, we, we've stopped thinking about why we sh- whether we should. And that, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. But Probably that, the wisest thing Jeff Goldblum ever said. <laughs> he was in Independence Day. The whole, uh, the whole of his script was not wise. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, being in Independence Day wasn't wise. Was. But um, lots of people go to the university just for a job. But what we're discovering, though, is in I've read some articles in several newspapers from different ends of the spectrum, employers are starting to look for people who have a broader mind, who have a broader experience, and they'll pick out certain universities if they have, in fact, tried to educate them in thinking, in in um, thinking not just about their own ideas, but thinking about other people's ideas and that kind of thing. So we saw the example um, relatively recently of Melbourne Uni. Do you remember that? Yeah, so Melbourne, Melbourne University went through a process of uh, you know, rethinking how they were doing education. They were finding that school leavers were were coming in. They were too, in a sense, um, immature intellectually yep. to grapple with, say, medicine or law or so on. But, you know, high dropout rates. Um, so they decided to go to a more American model, which is based on, you know, you go to your undergraduate, have a broader education, and then you then you go to graduate school, postgraduate, where you specialise. Mm. And I think that is a, is a model that... Um, that is very worthwhile and and helpful and and I guess a more traditional model as well of 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 
of looking at education, that it's yeah. not so much focused on automatically looking at utility and and your profession, but rather having a maturer mind and person to, yeah. to think about what I want to do. A lot of us, if we do think about getting, bettering ourselves, in the, I was sitting next to someone in a plane sometime pre-COVID, and um, they were reading a book, and I was saying, what are you reading? And he says, oh, philosophy. I'm trying to better myself. And then I realized he was reading a book which had one-liners from philosophers. And oh. it was so like self-contradictory and all kinds of things going on. And I thought, and I said, you'd probably be better if you read the whole of Nietzsche to understand what he's saying there. And, and he says, um, I don't have time for that sort of thing. It's almost as if self-development, mm -hmm. self-bettering is a kind of a hobby that I do in my few minutes of spare time. But one of the things about a liberal arts education is it's one of the assertions it makes is that it's good to catch people early in their development. So um, at Campion College, I know the undergrads come in and they're usually quite young and it's an excellent time to start forming them. And would you say that's a fair call? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I well, I started at Campion and I finished in 2012. I had spent a few years out of school. Right. But honestly, when I came to Campion, I was a voracious reader. I always have been. But I... And I'd like to think I was an okay writer, nowhere near as good as I am now, but um, I didn't even know how to write an essay coming right. out of high school. And th so there were very basic skills. And going back to what you said before about employers looking for these kinds of skills, that is actually so true. Um, a few years ago, actually, um, someone from Ernst & Young was giving an interview because they think they'd released some statistic about 40% of de university degrees are going to be obsolete yep. you know, um, in the next decade or something. Most are anyway when you come yeah. out. <laughs> you find out <laughs> that someone's written what? something. Feminist you're... dance theory? Come on. <laughs> Feminist <laughs> dance theory. I haven't um, no. heard that one. <laughs> I just made it up, but I'm sure it exists. You know it exists. And doesn't that say so much about our universities, mm. by the way? But just going back to what I was saying, he actually, so this guy, he's Australian, but he was educated in a liberal arts um, college in the States, right. obviously, where it's, it has a much greater tradition than it does in this country. And he said what, you know, what he was taught in his liberal arts degree there, and it was very similar to what we had at Campion, um, was... Uh, reading the great books of, of history, reading Aristotle and Augustine and Plato and, you know, all the great ones, and they were, and they learned how to think critically, and they learned how to read and write. And he said most graduates who come out of, I'm not sure what kind of degree you would do, maybe an economics degree for something like Ernst and Young, I'm not sure, but um, they see a lot of graduates who come out and they can't even write, right, like a simple paragraph, or or they struggle with basic grammar. So they've they've done the degree and they've got that kind of checklist off on their CV, but they don't actually have the practical skills. But they also just don't know how to think for themselves. And yes. Um, interestingly, if I can just plug Campion a little bit, we've actually managed to get, um, I think now five of our graduates have been employed at, at Sky News. And um, so they, I think one person was more, they employed a couple of people as just junior journalists. And they were so impressed with them, they actually came back to us saying, do you have more graduates? Because we have more of these positions we'd like to fill. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. So That's a bit gratifying. I know, it was great. And I was like, oh, I asked the guy um, who, who, you know, who was in contact with me. Um, about it. And I said, what, what, what was it about them that appealed to you? And he said, well, they can just think outside the box. They just don't have this narrow view. They actually yep. look at the big picture. And, and I think that, you know, there is this utilitarianism 
that we live in today, unfortunately, yep. uh, which makes it very difficult to sell something like this. You know, like, well, if it I want to be a doctor, what's the point? I'm guessing, Why am I wasting my yeah, time I'm doing this? I'm guessing parents show up to you, you know, yeah. and they go, but where's the job? job. What's exactly. the job? Yeah. yeah. How is my child going to live? Uh, you know, just to go back, I guess, to a, to a couple of, you know, my intellectual heroes who, you know, speak about this one, I've already mentioned Newman, but another one's Thomas Aquinas when right. he talks about, you know, um, education and, and wisdom. And uh, he says that, you know, wisdom is is sort of standing on top of the the valley up on the on the mountain and being able to look down, and see things from that perspective, and that's really the goal of a what a liberal arts education is. It's it's to get the data absolutely. You know, you need information, you need the skills, but it's also to see patterns, which is what Newman talks about with the philosophical mind. You see the patterns of how things interlock. Oh, there's the river, and there's the town, and there's the the people, and there's the animals over there, and you just see that interlocking. And that's what really a, an education, wisdom, and liberal arts is. And and so obviously, if you learn the the data of being a lawyer or a businessman, um, that's well and good. But if you can stand on top of the the mountain and see, okay, well, this is, you know, I can see how it connects with everything else. Yep. It makes you a better professional. Oh, and just to point out, like none of those Campion graduates had a journalism degree. They went straight <laughs> out of Campion and got employed by Sky News just purely because of that yeah, perspective. I think. Yeah, we've had. Um, philosophy graduates go out of Notre Dame and get employed in something like the London train system to to troubleshoot the the problems in there because of the thinking outside the box thing. But it's not just about methods of thinking. It's it's the if I can come back to the broad perspective, that's very important for someone who in Newman's time had an understanding of geography, politics, you know, history, literature. They weren't just interesting, but when life came a curveball at them, uh, they knew what to do. They knew how to react. They knew the big picture. And so they knew, ah, oh, okay, I can see that's happening. Now, if I operate this way over here, I've, I can adapt much more uh, cleverly. And also, more importantly, I think, and perhaps this is my own university, Notre Dame, has three core programs, which is kind of a nod in the direction of liberal arts to have philosophy, um, th ethics, and theology. Also, the question of why you would do something. And how we treat individuals matters um, and that the personal integrity of your actions in that broad picture actually matters. So, for example, lots of businesses can give you all the economic reasons why making 33 people redundant this week might be a great thing for our business and the bottom line or treating them this way or removing this benefit. But someone with a, a much more broad understanding of the value of the human person and history and all the ways which things that happen when you squeeze people the wrong, mm. <laughs> wrong way, they can see this is a bad idea. Yeah. This is, this yeah. is not going to work. And so the broader perspective makes them a better employer. Yeah, absolutely. An employee. And I, I, I know I keep coming back to what's a trivial thing, but they're just more interesting people. And Thank you. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> I mean, people who have a broader perspective are much more fun to hang around with. They're good friends. They're good potential spouses. They're good all the, all the things that actually are the highest indicators of happiness in this world. Yeah. And can I also Absolutely. just say, just from a personal point of view, um, one of the things that I one of the this may seem like a very trivial and silly thing to some people, but one of the greatest joys I actually got out of my liberal arts degree was. 
you know, when you're reading a book or you're hearing someone and they reference something or someone, I know what they're talking about. <laughs> it's like Captain I America know. line. I know that reference. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so gratifying to read Jane Austen and I'm like, I know who she's talking about. And yes. I and oh and, and I'm watching The Matrix and I'm thinking, Oh, I can see Plato's cave and I can see Descartes in this now. And yes. It just enriches all of these other Even when it's a horrible mishmash like The Matrix, you can still see the yeah. bits hey, that's hey, mishmashing. The first movie, <laughs> exactly. The first movie is fantastic. It's I like them all, but uh, I oh, I'm a, I can't agree with I'm them. Grat- Gratified by the <laughs> spectacle of it, but the philosophy. But it makes worse life more interesting, is what I'm saying. It doesn't just make yes. you more interesting; it makes everything more well, interesting. If you're capable of thinking about things in a broader perspective, everything becomes interesting. And if you're, and this is something my father taught me without ever going to university, um, but he never developed because he didn't have the capacity, is that he could look at a flower and just marvel at it. And then, but if you had studied botany and you studied all the little tiny bits of the pieces here, you'd actually be open to that wonder and the, the mm. entire excitement about it. But you could also see, hmm, the, that means this is why I want to preserve the bush or I want to put it in the fertilizer or whatever I do. In other words, it gives you the broader picture. That's really beautifully expressed. Thank you. Um, possibly because I've had something of a liberal arts education. But <laughs> as I said, not formally. I don't think any of my degrees were... Um, liberal arts, I have mostly obtained the scattered knowledge that I've had mostly through voracious reading, and which I've been since I've been able to read. Is it possible, do you think, for the average person? Now, obviously, we're keen to to look at Campion and and hopefully this the the to the extent Notre Dame talks about liberal arts. But is it possible for the ordinary person listening to this to go, how do I make myself into this exciting and interesting person? What do you reckon? I think it is, and there's there's a wonderful book. It was actually it was a really important book for me, written by the late you know, great Jesuit uh, Father Jim Shaw, right, on liberal education. And he basically wrote a book for that purpose, right. And he gave you know little chapters on each area of what it means to have a liberal mind, with a book list. And he says, never waste you know an opportunity to go to a secondhand bookshop. Now there's oh, yes. fewer and fewer <laughs> of those today, but he said you can you can build your own little library based on his. Um, book mm. that will give you that liberal education through reading. Now, obviously, it's a lot easier if you've got someone to guide you and, and so on. But there's no substitute for diving into the yeah. into the actual texts themselves. You probably need both. I mean, Anna's example of voracious reading early is enhanced, and and if you like, like forging a good metal. Like what do they call it when they meld a good metal? That's not the right word. What's it when they forge? Isn't that word the word? Uh, there's something else. Anyway, they smith it up. It's not the word <laughs> either. <laughs> I like it. But basically, they smith it up. That's going to be my new expression. I'm just smithing Let's this just up. Smith it Let's up. Smith it up. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I smithed that one up, Mike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the point is, is that it gets um, worked into um, something that's better than the original materials, but you've got to have the material to start with. So raw reading is an excellent thing, but talk to people, get involved in discussions. And you don't, I mean, these don't have to happen in university, but it's always good to have a formal structure involved because it pushes you to deadlines. It also has, you know, qualified people to help you through those things. I guess it's a little bit like scripture as well. I mean, you can just read it, obviously, but it is better if you have, you know, sort of um, yeah. biblical experts who can actually sort of go or exegeses that you can refer to that can guide your understanding. So you, you understand. You certainly should consult experts when it gets to difficult questions. But I would say a much stronger influence in someone's understanding of scripture is the cons- constancy of the reading, but reading with other Christians. Mm. And 
when you actually don't know the answer and you debate it for an hour, you end up learning more about that than if someone just told you the answer. Exactly, yeah. So the, the actual- I realise I'm suggesting scripture to a scripture <laughs> expert here. It was a bold well, move on my part. I, I mean, it's uh, probably time for me to start selling my online Bible study, but it basically <laughs> it's just a group of people who love talking about I'd scripture. And, uh, well, Monday nights. So it's it's just a bunch of people who love talking about scripture and we get excited about what it means. And we're going through the Old Testament right now and seeing how much radical difference God's ideas. And one of the big ideas God has and it's a bit, a bit sort of cheeky to call God's ideas, but he's, one of his commands to Israel is education. And he yeah. wants the people to be, and when he talks about raising children, parents' duty to raise children, the word in Hebrew isn't the way we talk about it. It says to make them great. Mm. And it means, and to make them great isn't that they do everything their parents say, but that they are great in themselves. And the greatness is measured by their integrity and their moral um, actions. So if they're a good person who does good things. So someone could be a garbage collector who's great in this model, that they have, they're honest, their friends love them, they're well respected. Like a greatness of soul. Yes, it's a greatness of s- person, yeah, of the person. person as a whole. And it's a it's a deep part of um, what God wants for everyone. And I mean, honestly, parents, if you're listening to this, wouldn't you want your kids to be the most well-rounded and interesting and loved person. It's just a no-brainer. Uh, however, I have to say, and Paul would sympathise with me here, when you've when you've got a kid and they get to this age, you're going, how are they going to get bread tomorrow? Like, yeah. <laughs> how are they going to pay their way through life? Who's going to yeah. employ them? And you want the absolute best for them as quickly as possible because you're anxious about it. Um, but in, I think this is an investment in the long term, which bears dividends. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't tend to go from a liberal arts education straight into a particular profession. Like there's not a No, that's not the like that's yeah. not necessarily intent. I mean yeah. Paul can speak to this more, but um but certainly in the in the United States, as Paul explained before, the tradition is you do an undergraduate, usually a liberal arts degree, and then you specialize in medicine or law or nursing or whatever it is. As That's your becoming postgraduate. more the norm it's just, anyway. It's the I, model in Australia now anyway. Yeah, but I mean, but I I got my journalism job straight out of Campion, yeah. to be honest. I, I think about six months after I, I graduated, I got my first job writing for News Corp. Mm. Yeah, so it's, um, but you're right, I mean, the normal pathway is postgraduate. The most common, f- f- typically for a BA anyway, is, is teaching, Yeah, which is wonderful. You know, yeah, they, they've learned to love learning and they want to pass that on, primary yeah. and secondary, which is, yeah. you know, always beautiful, law business, you know, the odd medicine student. The more those fields are becoming specialised, the more it's becoming evident that they need the more broad education. So in 2015, I think education, they removed the the necessity for having, you know, different subjects of specialisation. They just teach them how to teach now. And they say, all they need to do is teach the curriculum. Well, actually, we're noticing that kids respond better to someone who knows their topic and loves their topic. And if they've got some kind of understanding of it, and so pe- kids who've done a, sorry, young people who've done a, a BA in something, in you know, a number of topics or a liberal arts education, then go into teaching, they're just more interesting teachers and they, they're, they're broader knowledge and they're better understanding. That means they can switch topics. You'd think that would just be self-evident though. You would think, you would so, think but so, but... You love the topic, you're more interesting to learn from and, yeah. and you have a... You impart that love. I mean, it we've all experienced If we have a good teacher. If we've it had a good has teacher. to be said though that most people listening to this, when they see hear the word arts, they're thinking a Bachelor of Arts, which has had a bad rap in Australia up until recently. 
Um, do you think that's a fair thing that they've had a bad rap? Look, I think the humanities in general in Australia is really going through somewhat of a crisis right. um, in general. Um, you know, I don't want to paint everyone with the same, uh, no, not paint, it's tar. tar. Everyone <laughs> with the same brush. But, um, you know, there's certain ideological streams within the humanities particularly right. that has, um, you know, meant, a, I guess, um, you know, less a focus on what we would traditionally call the humanities, particularly right. say in literature and history. And when they tried to do that, what was that one in the one that went to ACU just recently. Oh, the Ramsey. The Ramsey thing, yeah. That was an attempt to kind of risk, get back yeah, to the is. heart of civilization. It is, um, yeah. And, and it, it was and certainly going, met with oh, a huge resistance wherever <laughs> it was, uh, which was very fascinating, you know, at the University of Sydney and so on. And it was ba it's basically, and it, it's a bit similar to Campion's degree, looking at, you know, Western civilization and all, all the mm. best that's been thought. Yep. Um, you know, the history, the literature, you know, warts and all, yep. you know, it's, it's not all roses. But this is the thing. People, when people think that, they are, um, they imagine that by studying the rich roots of our civilization, that we're condemning ourselves to repeating all the same mistakes. But in fact, the whole point of a critical study of, of history yes. and of, of, of the roots and the literary and the <laughs> cultural roots is to critically analyze. I that. mean, what's the, what's the expression yeah. like learn history so you don't repeat its mistakes? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yes. Those who don't study history yeah. are doomed to repeat it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Yes. Yeah. It's a, and it's a, it's a, I think underestimating our intelligence as a human race that if we look at something, we're, we're just going to go with that, yeah. that we're not going to think. But you know, I, possibly because they've seen some first years. But when the first years come into university and I ask them to think, they look at me and say, wait, are we allowed to do this? Oh, isn't that yeah. so sad? <laughs> and, and then when they actually realize I want them to think and then yeah, yeah. I don't want to tell them, here's the answer, write that down, yeah. they actually get quite a bit excited. Yeah. Some of them are a little bit scared, but they're actually yeah. really excited. I actually have to form an opinion and that's a great thing. Yeah. I mean, um, ideally, that, that should start in school. You, you know, obviously, this closed-mindedness yeah. is, is, you know, it's not mm. a great thing. Obviously, there's only so much we can do, but that that is a reflection of, of, yeah. of what our young people are kind of being taught. I don't know if they they are closed-minded. I think it's it's the whole, um, is it Picasso who said that every child is an artist and then they get educated out of it? I think that everyone's born... That sounds very Rousseauian. Okay, well, there you go. I <laughs> know, oh, I mean, it might have been Picasso, but just that whole, I mean... But basically, the point is, is that, I think young kids want to ask questions. They want to know everything. Totally. And then you put them in a room and you say, we're doing history. And now we're doing, we're going to learn to write this essay for this. For this and and it, suddenly it's almost like we, in an attempt to make them better at one thing, we beat out of them that general curiosity. And the sense of wonder too. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm a little bit biased. I have in the last half dozen years or so homeschooled my children and I've taken them on the journey of where their curiosity has taken them. And that, I think, has made a difference. Um, I don't think that makes you biased. I think that maybe you have a different perspective because yeah. you have that experience. I mean, I went through schooling myself, public schooling, and I've uh, been through one, two, three, four, four, five universities now. So there's different kind of experiences there. But I have to say that the ones that have been the most educational in the true sense, the ones that have developed me as a person, is when a person has challenged me and I've, they've challenged me to have an opinion and to come up and defend it and argue with me about it. And that, that's been really good. All right. Well, look, I think this is a good advertisement for not just Campion, but the idea of liberal arts in Australia and that the graduates should, I mean, 
they're not only going to journalism jobs. I noticed there's a few in this building. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's going now, so they must be all right. I'll look to go into teaching as well, actually. Yeah. yeah. Teaching's very cool. Well, good. They can pass on this wonder to their students. Yeah, so. absolutely. Oh, they already are. It's really, it's actually, to be honest, I'm obviously friends with a lot of the mm. um, graduates who I studied with or I've just known because of the, the Campion family, so to speak, as we call it. Um, uh they're just doing fantastic work and they're actually really, really genuine, genuinely trying to infuse the love of the books and the authors Yeah, um, that they learned, they developed at Campion. Like they're trying to spread that love and that interest and that fascination and awe to their students. And some of them have been lucky enough to work in schools where they have the flexibility and the freedom yep. to do that, which is just, it's a, it's a really beautiful thing to yeah. hear about. It's possible still within the system, even though the system itself tries to channel you, it's still possible. It is possible. Yep. Well, it's more than possible. You guys are doing it. And um, in terms of how we change the culture, to wrap up this this uh, podcast episode, in addition, of course, to enrolling in Campion, uh, probably get reading, I'd say. Challenge to the listener, get reading, read some more broad things. I did this, um, there's a really bad old sitcom I used to watch, um, a British one called As Time Goes By. And there's one character in it who he's retired he, he makes a list of every book that he's thought he had read but he actually hadn't read and people talk about and so he was just reading through them and it was a fascinating series just where he's just lots of the is it weird to keep a book list? I, I've been keeping a book list since I was no, about no, 14 no I use Goodreads for that now I've oh, got, nice. got Goodreads as want to read kind of thing but I realised I hadn't read um, uh, Fahrenheit 451 or something you know just one that people refer to and I went oh I don't even know what it's about. So, okay. And I did the same with Moby Dick, much to my disgust. Really? Um, recently. <laughs> not <laughs> a good one? Do not read that. Uh, it's not worth it. Um, yeah, well, it's, there's eight excellent chapters in Moby Dick. Unfortunately, there's a total of 136 big. chapters. <laughs> <laughs> well, Big-tus-tus. if I'm being completely honest, I didn't read all of the text that I was supposed to. I still have to go back and read um, Machiavelli, The Prince, and yeah. I still have to um, – I started reading Paradise mm. Lost and I never finished it. And also – Don't tell my literature lecturers. Confessions. Also read things that might – stretch you obviously within proper confines and with people you can ask questions but i i remember reading nietzsche's um works and being quite challenged by them because it's a terrifyingly sane Mm. um in terms of his um uh, rational arguments from his premise he was was an interesting character but really quite scary where he goes with it and he demonstrates where you go if you have the the arguments that some people have today so yeah keep reading and get involved with other people who are reading and also talking and engaged in discussion and for whatever it's worth and this is a bit of a bugbear mind don't be in a tribe don't think things because you're in one party or the other or tribe or group think for yourself and challenge your friends it's good to have friends who have different opinions to you and and consistently do so. That's all for this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking or arguing as we hope it did, then you can continue the discussion on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or Discord and write us a review on iTunes if you can. This is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast and we think that's worth getting behind. We'll be back next week, but thanks for listening to This Catholic Life. Mm